Our scripture lesson today comes from Paul's letter to the early church in Philippi. Let's share in God's good word together. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. What if I told you studies show that by doing this one thing, you could sleep better? What if not only that, but by doing this one thing, you could be less depressed, have more energy, and become more confident? And what if I went even further and said that this one action had been linked to lower risks of heart disease, lower levels of stress, and lower risks of inflammation? Would you be interested? And if you act now for just three easy payments of $19.99, no, 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 it's much better than that. What I'm talking about and what we all long to hear are two simple words. Thank you. Yes, really, thank you. Grateful people who say thank you sleep better. They are less depressed, have more energy, and even have higher levels of resistance to disease and heal faster than ingrates. Is it any wonder the Bible teaches us to give thanks in all circumstances. We are in our second week of our sermon series, Words We Long to Hear. And let me be the first to say this to you. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of Church Online. Thank you for supporting Acts 2 United Methodist Church. Thank you for taking time to intentionally become more like Jesus. Thank you for working in the children's department. Thank you for loving your neighbor. Thank you for being sponsors for the youth group and leading adult Bible studies. Thank you for praying for me, for the church staff, for the unity of the church and the unity of the nation. Thank you for sharing your time and resources to welcome all, love authentically, and to let your light shine to the world to give glory to your Father in heaven. Thank you. Whew, I feel better and you can too. So let's get started. And as we do, I hope you will share right now one thing that you are thankful for online with your church online community. It is a joy for me to go back after service and look how you are engaging with one another as church, even when we may be hours away geographically. Here with Church Online, we can bless one another as brothers and sisters right now. I hope you will. So as we get started, words we long to hear. Paul writes a thank you letter. Paul says thank you, that's what our scripture says today, from prison, can you believe that? While facing opposition and death. So Paul writes this thank you letter from prison while facing opposition and death. Now this is thanking God in every season and Paul shows us how to do it. Let's take a look. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, for my salvation, for my good, he writes. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that by speaking with all boldness, Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, how could he possibly say this? He's going to thank God and lift Jesus up whether he lives or whether he dies. 
This is a deep and abiding faith that happens in relationship with the living God. By life or by death. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain, Paul says. You see, gratitude is a matter of our heart, not circumstance. Gratitude is not a matter of circumstance. Whether you live, whether you die, whether you have a job, whether you lose a job, whether your power's on, whether your power's off, whether your trees are upright or whether your trees are leaning over, whether your trees are broken in half. It's not about the circumstance. It's about the relationship with God and others. So gratitude is not a matter of circumstance, but a matter of our heart. That we recognize all the things that God is doing for us. And that God is with us. That we are not forgotten or abandoned. Paul goes on. He says, I know what it is to have little. And I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances... I've learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and being in need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In any case, it was kind of you to share my distress. Friends, that's what the community of faith does. We know that in good times and in hard times, God is with us and we say thank you. And when one of us is hurting, we're all hurting. So we gather around and we share in one another's distresses. We rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. So let me ask you, would you rather receive a thank you by text or by email, a phone call, a handwritten note, or a small gift? You might put that in the chat right now. Which is it? For me, I love talking to people on the phone and getting to talk to them about what's going on in their life. I prefer that to a text, unless I'm driving or something like that, then, you know, I'll read the text when I get home. But here's the thing. Each of us is a little different here. I really love a handwritten note, and I've gotten so many of those from you um, throughout the years, and it really makes me feel good. I also love hearing from you by phone calls. And sometimes I'll even get a small gift or sometimes I'll give a small gift so that people know that I really do appreciate what they've done. I bet that might be true for you as well. So here's the thing. What none of us would say here is that when we do something kind for someone or when something's been kind done to us or for us, what you don't see here is silence. What you don't see here is no response at all. And if we're not thoughtful or we're not careful or we get too busy, we can have all these things that we're thankful for just go right on by with no response at all. So our thank you is authenticated when we share. When we share in someone's celebration, when we share in someone's distress, our thank you is made real when we share with one another. Scripture says this. Now, at this time, we're going to switch over to when Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he says this to them. He says, Each of you must give as you've made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves, say this with me, a cheerful giver. Because again, it's always about our hearts. You know, nobody wants to get something from somebody begrudgingly, right? I mean, you don't want to give them like, well, I didn't really want to give this to you, but it's the right thing to do, so here it is. I mean, nobody likes that. So what you want is a cheerful giver, Paul says, and God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may, say it with me, share. Yep, that's the way you do it. Abundantly in every good work. 
Many of you know that a, a number of years ago, I had the great privilege to go to Turkey um, and to um, talk with Syrian refugees. And what just blew me away is people who had so little, really only the clothes on their back and a few possessions that they were able to carry with them, they would sit me down in a bombed out shelter and serve me tea. Sit me on the one rug that they had carried with them and blessed me with tea that they had made to show me hospitality. Because they understood in ways that many of us do not, that they had everything they needed even when they were on the run for their very lives. And even in that, they were able to show grace and hospitality and share what they had because they knew that God was with them. And here's, here was the remarkable thing that I found. As they poured me tea in this little concrete shelter, what I found was that it was impossible to be truly grateful and worried at the same time. These people had come to know that from town to, ta- from town to town and from place to place, and regardless of all the things going on around them, God was still with them. God was protecting them. Jesus was leading them to safety. And they could share because God was taking care of them. So it's true, in very, very hard and primitive places um, like Syrian refugee camps and right here in Edmond, Oklahoma, what we find is that grateful people are happier and live longer. Studies bear this out. Grateful people are happier and live longer. We just do. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, probably the best known martyr of our time uh, or in in modern era, said this. He says, we always receive infinitely more than we give. That's true for all of us. From the time we're babies uh, till the time we die, so much is poured into us by so many different people. We receive so much more than we could ever give. And that gratitude is what enriches life. When we stop stop and think about what God has done, all the blessings that have been poured into us, a grateful heart is simply the only response that we could give. I want to share with you very quickly three truths about gratitude. Here they are. Number one, gratitude is a matter of the heart and cannot be forced. Gratitude is a matter of the heart and cannot be forced. The second thing is this, that one of the ugliest and most embarrassing words to describe someone is ungrateful. Now, you would never want that said about you. And it starts at an early age. Maybe if you were like me and you had uh, young children, you would go to a birthday party. Or maybe it's around Christmas time. And as you would see someone start to open presents, particularly at a birthday party, you would hear the mom or the dad or the grandma sort of in the background, and they would always say something like this. Now, what do you say? Now, you know what to say. What do you say? And you and I know that the proper response is thank you. That's what the family's hoping for. They don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want the ugliness of someone who's ungrateful. That They simply brought all these people into their home so that they could get more stuff. And they don't really care about them or anything else going on. They just want to know what they got. And anybody who lives like that, they just, oh. As a parent, as someone who loves someone else, you would never want that for them. You would never want them to be seen in that light. And you certainly wouldn't want that to ever become true. For them... Or for yourself. We want to be grateful people. We want to be thankful people. We want to be people who appreciate other people who pour into our lives and say thank you and show appreciation. 
So the third thing about gratitude is this. Gratitude is multiplied when it is practiced in community. Right now, we have uh, thousands of dollars of food out in the gathering space to be put together to give to hungry Oklahomans uh, this week. And we can only do that because the gratitude of each and every one of our members um, comes together and does something that we could never do on our own. And it is a beautiful and wonderful thing. Many of you, um, even at this moment, will be packing up those pantry packs and helping out people in need right now, this day, because of the power of gratitude practiced in community. So, all of this comes from our Master and Savior, Jesus. And I want to show you Jesus' teaching on gratitude. It comes from the Gospel of St. Luke. It goes like this. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria... Dun-dun-dun, that's a, that's a big tell. That's going to be a big part of the story in a moment. He was going between, in the region between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, ten lepers approached him, keeping their distance. They called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, you'll know that when we say distance here, that could be as much as 50 feet away, sometimes 50 yards away. Jesus, have mercy on us. So on the way to Jerusalem... Ten lepers approached Jesus, and they asked for mercy. How many were there? Say it with me. Ten. Yep, ten lepers. That's a lot of lepers. And they all yell out to Jesus. And the remarkable thing is Jesus doesn't walk on by. Jesus doesn't do what many of us would do, which is, oh, I hope they didn't see me. I don't want to deal with this. Now, for maybe the first time in your life, you start to understand this. Because people being so contagious... It'd be like you walking into a place that has 10 active COVID cases. It's not something that you want to be around because you think you're going to get it. And here's the thing about Jesus. He didn't ignore them. He didn't run away from them. He didn't run away from their pain. He met them right where they were. And he'll meet you right where you are. And Jesus says to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Jesus stops and he sees them. He looks at them and he sees you. He knew their need. He knows your need. And he sees them. This might be the most important thing that I'm saying all morning. And that is that we need to stop and see people where they are. We don't just walk on by. We stop and we share in their distress, as Paul teaches us. So Jesus saw them. And he told them to go show themselves to the priest. Now, this is important because he's telling them to go before anything's happened. Nothing at all has happened to them that they know of. And he says, go show yourself to the priest. Well, why would he do that? Well, leprosy, like many skin diseases today, would come and go with little explanation. So when it went away, the leper would go to the priest to be pronounced clean and be brought back into the community. It was considered very contagious. And lepers were at times required to stay 50 feet away, sometimes 50 yards away from others. What a priest would never have seen in their lifetime would be 10 lepers all simultaneously and spontaneously made clean at the same time. The priest would ask, well, how did this happen? And the answer, of course, would be Jesus. So what's going on here is that Jesus asked them and asked us to walk it out before the miracle. Say that with me. Jesus asked them and asked us to walk it out before the miracle. Friends, this is a really important teaching moment. For you and for me. 
So often we want to praise Jesus after we're healed. We want to say thank you to Jesus after the outcome that we want has happened. And Jesus says, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. Look, if you're struggling with addiction, you've got to start walking it out now. You've got to get to your first 90 meetings in 90 days. If you are struggling with your finances, you have to actually make the budget. If you are struggling in your relationships with others, you have to spend time there. You have to say, I'm sorry, and I forgive you, and I love you, and thank you. These are things we have to do. And as we walk it out, as we go, the healing comes, not before. Now, it's true. Sometimes in the Bible, Jesus just says a word and people are healed. But that's not how it happens most often in our lives. Most often, obedience is the key factor to the health and wholeness and well-being and restoration of our relationship with God and with others. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. So the scripture says, and as they went, not before, not after... As they were walking it out, as they did what Jesus asked them to do, it was their obedience, and it was in that obedience that they find they were made clean. Yes, they hadn't had a drink. Yes, they weren't gambling. Yes, they weren't losing their money. Yes, they weren't acting out in in bad or weird behaviors that separated them from God and other people. As they did what Jesus asked them to do, they were made clean. And that can happen for you as well. You may not even know when it happened. As they walked along, they didn't know that it wasn't like, oh, well, at step 75, all of a sudden, I'm clean. No, they simply did what Jesus asked them to do, and they found themselves healed. As they went, say it with me. As they went, they were made clean. And I'm trusting God today that as you go and you listen to the voice of Jesus, you too will be healed. In Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. But we have to walk it out. And we walk it out together. We don't walk it out perfectly. Right? And there's, there's no pieces of the scripture here that says they did this perfectly or at this particular time or this particular step. No. They simply did what Jesus was asking them to do. And the truth is this, that obedience to Jesus brings healing and wholeness into our lives. Obedience to Jesus brings healing and wholeness into our lives. You don't know when. You might not know how. You may not even know when it's happening. But this is the way our life works with God. Now, there were ten walking down that road. And when one of them saw that he was healed, he turned back. This is what we talk about when we talk about repentance. So often in the church, when we talk about repentance, we think of, well, somebody did something bad and they have to turn back towards God. No, no, no. Sometimes you just have an awareness that, oh my gosh, something wonderful has happened. And we need to repent to turn our life towards God when that happens to say thank you. Repentance is a beautiful thing. And, and so it can be the sin of commission where you've done something wrong and you need to turn around, but also might be a sin of omission, which is God has blessed you and you've yet to thank him. And so when one of them saw that he was healed, he turned to Jesus. Scripture says this, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And then he threw himself at Jesus' feet. Scripture says that he prostrated himself, right? So he throws himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. He thanked him. That's what verse 16 says. That this one leper, one out of ten, prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. 
And what did this do? It closed the loop. God blessed, he thanked, and all was right in the world at that moment. You see, that's what gratitude does. It closes the loop with God and others. And here's the thing that they did not expect. This one out of ten lepers, he was an outsider. He wasn't in the in crowd. He wasn't even Jewish. He was a Samaritan. Many of you all would know from maybe the story of the Good Samaritan that that was an oxymoron. Jews didn't believe there was any such thing as a Good Samaritan because Samaritans were the children of those who had um, come out of relations between Jews who had been taken off into exile uh, to Assyria in the fall of 722 B.C. And so this was a much hated group. They, They were sworn enemies one to another. And so it would have been shocking to the hearers of Jesus that the one leper that turned around wasn't Jewish. He was a Samaritan. He was an outsider. And he was probably non-religious. And so of all the people that you would have expected to turn around, it wasn't this guy. He was a Samaritan, the scripture tells us. And so when this happens, when he falls at Jesus' feet and he thanks him, Jesus asks three questions Um, basically to his hearers at this point, and and to the man. He says, hold on a minute. We're not ten made clean. I I could have sworn there were ten people here, and I'm only seeing one. He says, we're not ten made clean. The second question Jesus asks is, where are the nine? Now, he just calls it out. He's like, yes, this is right. This is good. This is wonderful. This is joyful. But where are the other nine? Jesus gave them their family back, their jobs back, their friends back, their future back, and they said nothing. They did nothing. Well, not really nothing. They did what we are all tempted to do. They went on with their life. It never crossed their mind to stop and go back and thank Jesus. Or if it did, they were too busy or too worried about what they'd be missing to turn around and to take time to say thank you. So, we're not ten made clean. Where are the other nine? And thirdly, did none return to praise God except this foreigner? I mean, Jesus just calls it like it is. He's like, look, there were ten of you. This one guy does the right thing, and he's not even one of us. But even he knows that God has done something amazing in his life. So the scripture says this, then Jesus asked, we're not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. I want you to see what happens. Yes, ten were healed, but one was saved. One had a significant relationship with Jesus. Jesus blesses and sends the one. The one who came to Jesus, Jesus now blesses and recognizes what God is doing in his life. Then he said to him, he says, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus didn't say this to the other nine. They were nowhere around. They missed the blessing of being thankful. So here are a few lessons that I don't want you to miss um, from today. The first is this, that unexpressed gratitude is no gratitude at all. We say that with me. Unexpressed gratitude is no gratitude at all. You may feel it, but if you don't express it, 
it goes nowhere. It is true that 10 were healed that day, absolutely. But one was saved. One came into a relationship with Jesus that he had not had before, and it changed everything. He came into a saving relationship with Jesus. We don't know what happened to the other nine. We simply don't know. But this man was saved by Jesus. He came, he thanked him, he was blessed, and sent on with his life. And why is this true? Because unexpressed gratitude is actually rejection. Unexpressed gratitude is rejection. When you bring a gift to someone and they don't respond, that's rejection. If you get down on one knee and you open that tiny box and you ask someone to marry you, and they take the ring, and you never see them again. That's cold-blooded. It's rejection. It's not right. And of course, you know where I'm headed with this. This happens all the time with God. God blesses us. He gives us sun in the morning, the moon at night, food to eat, shelter over our head, family, friends, health, life itself. And Jesus says, where are the nine? Where are the nine? And we know that the way we say thank you is by sharing with others. Sharing in the rejoicing, sharing in their distressing, and sharing our resources with those in need. Because here's the thing about heaven. Heaven is a place of eternal praise and thanksgiving, not to you, but to God. Heaven is a place where God is lifted up, where he is praised because he is God. Just because he's God. The angels surround and sing and we join in the singing and we bless him and we praise him and we sit at his table and we thank him. This is what happens in heaven. Do you want to be about that? Do you have any practice at that now? A few weeks ago, Um, One of the things I love about Church Online is that we can have other people from our community share in the worship service. And so a few weeks ago, uh, we asked Courtney Bridges and her son Colt to say the prayer and to bless the kids after the children's time. And I want you to hear the prayer, and I want you to know uh, the feedback that I got about it. So here they are in case you missed it the first time. Hi, friends. We miss each and every one of you. Colt, will you say a prayer for us, please? Yes, I will. Dear Jesus, dear God. Please help, please help every kid, whatever they go, they see you, and they see, and they say, wow, look at them, they're following God and Jesus. Thank you for all, all, all you've been doing this year. For, for every, every person in America, thank you for every, everything. You are the best. Amen. Amen. And all of God's people say, Amen. This is what a thankful heart looks like. Colt says, I just want to thank you for all, all, all you've been doing this year. And when people responded to me after uh, that worship service, they would say things to me like, you know, when I think of 2020, I don't think of thanking God for that. 
Matter of fact, when I'm on Facebook these days, it seems like about every other post is somebody saying, oh yeah, that's about right for 2020, isn't it terrible? Oh yeah, 2020 is the worst. Oh, blah, 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 2020. No, 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 that's not a thankful heart. I want to thank you, God, for all, all, all you've been doing this year. You're the best. Now that's a thankful heart. And God honors that kind of love and joy and thankfulness. Think of all the wonderful things God's doing in 2020. And I know many of you are reticent to say it, but some of you have said it to me privately. And some of you have told me, you know what, Mark? I don't want anybody else to know this, but 2020 has been the best year in our family's life. Dad's been home. We've spent more time together. We've taken walks. We've taken vacations. We've had extended days because our kids didn't have to be back in school quite yet. It's been the best year of our lives. And we thank God for that. So, let me ask you, do you have practice doing this? Thanking God right where you are? Are you prepared to participate in heaven where everyone around you is saying thank you to God for who God is? Not because of circumstance, because of who God's character is and that God is with us even now. The great gift of Emmanuel, God with us. So our action step for this week is this. I want you to think of someone who has blessed you and return to them and thank them. Now, if that's today, this is easy. If that was five years ago, it can be a little more difficult. But I want you to pray about that right now. God, show me somebody who's blessed me and help me say thank you to them. And hey, if they've passed, if they've already died, look, go to their family and thank their family. It'll bless their family. Thank God for them, for the blessings that you've received. But don't miss the opportunity to say thank you to people who bless you and to thank God for them. Will you do that with me? I hope you will. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.